Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Again, at the end of the service, we will be receiving communion. We're talking about being called of God and how that the callings of God are calling us. We're in part two then of the call of wisdom upon our lives. In verse 9, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, the way that we get filled with the knowledge of His will is we desire to be. Secondly, we look to the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, to reveal to us the will of God. And then we also look to the Word of God and let His Word give us direction on the path that He wants for our lives. Amen. So the knowledge of His will includes what He wants to do in you, for you, and through you. Not only what He wants done, but how He wants it done. And that deals with the wisdom of God. Wisdom is required to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, so that you can be fruitful in every good work. Now in Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 5 through 8, it tells us to get wisdom and to get understanding. Don't forget it, nor let it decline from the words of your mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep you. Wisdom is number one. It's the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom, and wisdom will promote you. She shall bring thee to honor when you embrace her. Amen. So the wisdom of God is on the inside of us. And a couple of weeks ago, we discovered from Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 20, it says that wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gate in the city, she speaks her words. Everywhere that we are, He is. He's on the inside of us, but the spirit of wisdom is all around us calling us out. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20 in the Amplified, it says... That wisdom cries aloud in the street, she raises her voice in the markets. Amen. I mean, from the supermarket to the stock market, everywhere you are, the wisdom of God is calling out to you. Now, notice in verse 21, it says, She cries out the head, at the head of the noisy intersections. Why intersections? Because it's at the intersections of our lives that the paths cross. It's at the intersections or the crossroads of our life that a decision needs to be made, that a course of action needs to be determined. She cries at the head of the intersection, in the chief gathering places, at the entrance of the city, she, in the gates, she speaks. And we also understand that these intersections can be very noisy. Why are they noisy? Because wisdom is not the only voice trying to get your attention. There's the voice of the flesh, there's the voice of the world, and so on. Now notice in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. In the New Living Translation, it says, Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop, along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. Amen. 
So that's just by way of introduction and kind of brings you up to where we want to go today. We also find out how folks can miss their turn at the crossroads. Well, one reason is bad directions. Bad directions. We looked at Psalms 1. It says that we are not to heed, we are not to give attention to the counsel of the ungodly, but we are to get our counsel from the Word of God and the Spirit of God, for they are a safe guide. If you don't want to miss your turn in life, stay in the Word. Stay communing with the Holy Spirit. Stay in church. Be a tither. Amen? Do what the Word of God says to do. Be a servant of the Most High God. Just align your life with His plan for your life, and He will bring you to your wealthy place. Amen? And so along the road in our lives, we must also be open to course corrections. Now, we discovered this, that course corrections take place while we are in motion. If we override course corrections, if we override Siri, spirit inside revealing information, or GPS, God's positioning system, if we override those things, we can end up in some places, quite frankly, we don't want to be. Amen? Has, anybody, has that ever happened to anybody? You know, you just got some bad directions, you ended up in a part of town that you just didn't want to be in. Or you ended up, you know, in Timbuktu and you were trying to be in Zula Zula or whatever the case may be. Now, we want to get directions from the Lord, get directions from the Holy Spirit. Okay, everybody on the same page? Let's look at a little bit more. Why do people miss their turn? Well, they're too easily distracted. They're just not paying attention. In Proverbs 1 and verse 22, for example, he says, How long, you simple ones... Will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now, we understand this, that the word simple there means gullible. I think another way to define being simple is not being discerning. The inability to discern the right way from the wrong way. The inability to distinguish the valuable from the worthless. Simple people are not discerning people. Simple people read it online and say it must be true. Simple people hear it at the lunch table, at, at the office, and just mark it down, it must be true. We do not want to be gullible men and women of God. We want to be men and women of God that know for sure that what we're hearing is accurate. And that goes for this pulpit. And that goes for any radio preacher or any TV preacher. You've got to align your life with the Word of God. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word must be established. Now let's look over at Luke chapter 10. And notice with me in verse 38. It says, Now it happened, as they went, that he entered into a village, certain village... And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Of course, this is speaking of Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I want you to notice this with me. Who also sat at Jesus' feet. What this tells me, at one point, Martha was sitting at his feet. They were both sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
And they were hearing his word, and they were also hearing his wisdom, because his wisdom is in his word. Out of his mouth comes the wisdom of God. Now notice in verse 40. But Martha got distracted. She was distracted with much serving. Now you may want to mark this down in your notes. The word distracted there means to be driven about in your mind. To be driven about in the mind. And we've all been there. Yea, even while we've been driving. You see, a distraction is being in the moment, unable to discern what's most important and what's most valuable. Is there anything more important that when you're driving, it's hands on the wheel and eyes on the road? But how many people have been hurt because they got distracted? By a buzz, by a tweet, by a noise. And this is why people miss their turns in life. Because even though wisdom is calling out to them at the intersections and the crossroads of life, they just are so distracted and because they're not paying attention. So Martha, we could say she was very distracted. She's there at the feet of Jesus listening to him and all of a sudden she got pulled in another direction she's probably thinking oh he's been speaking a while now and man the house is full and i gotta feed all these folks anybody ever been there i mean uncle buck showed up with his tribe and you're thinking oh dear lord they eat a lot of food i gotta i gotta feed them and so she's distracted so she gets up from the feet of jesus And she heads to the kitchen. You can hear pots and pans clanging. She's rolling out the biscuits. I mean, she is busy. And then the Bible says she approached Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? That's not a question you want to ask the master. You do not want to ask the Prince of Peace if he's got some care and fear and anxiety in his life. Master, don't you care? That my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, she's taking over the meeting. She's probably like this. Jesus, what's up? Now, look at the Weiss translation of this. Let's read it together. Ready, read. But Martha was going around in circles overoccupied with preparing the meal and bursting in upon Jesus, she assumed a stance over him and said, Lord, is it not a concern to you that my sister has let me down to be preparing the meal alone? Wow. Then she says, speak to her at once. And help and, and get her to see that she's got to do her part. Now, Martha set herself up for a double Martha. When you hear your name mentioned twice, when I hear Mark, Mark, immediately I hit my knees because I know something's coming. Notice with me in verse 40, 41. And Jesus answered 
and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about how many things? Mark this down. Worry, being worried and being, and being troubled defines a distracted person. How do you know if you're being distracted? One way to know is you've got to check your peace level. If there's no peace, you're being distracted and pulled away. Here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, I will keep him in what kind of peace? I will keep you in perfect peace. When you are in perfect peace, you are not being distracted. When you are in perfect peace about divine health and your body, you're not being distracted by symptoms. When you are in perfect peace about your finances, you're not troubled by the wind. You're not troubled by the storms. You're not observing the winds swirling around you. You will not stop to sow because you got your mind on Jehovah Jireh. You got your mind on him. And when you have your mind on him, he said, I will keep you in perfect peace. Perfect peace. I will keep you in shalom, shalom. That means in your life, if you will just do what I tell you to do, keep your mind on me, set your affections on me, I will keep you in nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. And everyone said amen. Amen. So, what is the absence of peace? I believe this, that the absence of peace is a product of a wandering mind. The absence of peace is the product of a wandering mind. Have you ever just in your life been going down the road of life and all of these bombardments and distractions, thoughts of failure, thoughts of, uh, of disease, thoughts of, of lack come to your soul. What does that do for you? Not a lot. It distracts you. And so the absence of peace is the product of a wandering mind. But thank God you and I can follow Mary's example. Say with me, I'm going to follow Mary's example. Notice with me in verse 2, here's what Jesus said. But only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. It's our choice to keep our mind on Him. It's our choice to stay at His feet. That's the good part. Notice with me, which shall not be what? Who's the thief? The enemy. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He stole from Martha that day some pearls of wisdom that Jesus was dealing out. He stole from her. That means then that if I do not want to be stolen from revelation knowledge... If I don't want wisdom taken from me, I need to make the choice daily. I'm going to stay at his feet. I'm going to stay in his word. I'm going to stay in church. I'm going to stay in praise. I'm going to stay with it. Amen. 
And if you will stay with it, oh my goodness, you will see some awesome things happen in your life. So Jesus is saying to Mary, wisdom is the most important thing. So I want to encourage you this morning to stay tuned to the word. Stay tuned to the wisdom of God and you will get where God wants you to go. Now, another reason why people miss their turn is they're just moving too fast. Just moving too fast. Going down a highway or going down a freeway and uh, just moving too fast and, and miss the turn. You ever missed your turn before on an exit? And the next exit was like 20 miles away? I was down in Sarasota and I was with Pastor Andy Asakwe. We were staying at the same hotel in downtown Sarasota and we were attending the Greater Faith Convention a couple of years ago. And I said, Andy, why don't you let me drive? You know, he's such a gracious person. They treated Brenda and I so well down in Abuja. It was just wonderful. They had police escorts for us to the church. It was amazing. It was, I mean, we were so honored and so privileged. And so I said, you know, I wanted to pay him back a little bit. I said, Andy, let me drive you. So I'm driving Brother Andy Asakwe to the church. And Andy says, isn't this the exit? He said in his Nigerian voice. I said, no, I think it's up there. I missed my turn. And did you know the next exit wasn't for about five miles? So I had to call and say, save us our seats. I got Brother Andy lost. Were you embarrassed? Not really. It was kind of funny. But it's not really funny in life when we miss our turn. And uh, so we need to understand this, that we must not allow ourselves to be in such a hurry. Don't move too quickly. Listen to this statement. We will either spend time preparing or repairing. What do you mean by that? We will either spend time getting the right route, making sure that we're on the right path. We will either spend that time preparing or if we move too quickly, we'll have to back up and do some repairing. Now, don't raise your hand, but I think all of us have done that before. So look for peace. Never be rushed. Notice with me in Proverbs chapter 19. Here's what happens when people get in a hurry. Proverbs 19 in verse 2. Let's read this together. And it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. Now let's bring that up into the New Living Translation if we can. Proverbs 19, verse 1 and 2. Let's look at the NLT. Notice with me, verse 2. Enthusiasm without knowledge. What is it? It's no good. I, I know a lot of guys that have gone out and tried to start churches because they were enthusiastic about it. But they really didn't have any knowledge. Two, three years down the road, there's no more church. You know, it's, it's, it's happening all over the United States. It's happening all over the world. Listen, folks, to start a church, you've got to be led by the head of the church. He says, enthusiasm without knowledge. Remember, we're talking about to be filled with the knowledge of who? The knowledge of His will. 
So we can be enthusiastic about something, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a leading to do something. There's a vast difference between enthusiasm and being led by God. It says here, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. And then haste, what does it do? Haste makes mistakes, which means there got, there's got to be some repairing take place. Now notice with me in verse 3, this next verse. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then... And then... How come the Lord allowed this to happen? How come the Lord did this? And how come the Lord did that? The Lord had nothing to do with it. From the top of the decision, He wasn't in it. Now notice, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Didn't say you're a fool. And then... They get angry at the Lord. Now look at Proverbs 21.5. And this is another one that we need to use a PowerPoint on. This is the Passion Translation. The TPT. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Brilliant ideas pay off and bring you prosperity. But making hasty, impatient decisions... Now, years ago, I had a lot of friends in ministry selling phone cards. It was one of those pyramid things. And uh, some of them, bless their hearts, got people in their church involved in it. Because the higher you are, or whatever you are in the pyramid, the more money you make. Now, this wasn't a lot of ministers, but it was some ministers. and, And for a season... Yeah, oh man, they they made some money. They were treading tall cotton. But then the bottom fell out. What people were doing was illegal. I mean, at the head of the pyramid. And so all this enthusiasm and all this stuff, all this haste, eventually led to financial loss. And led to people leaving their churches. These are things, my brothers and sisters that we need to be aware of in our daily lives. He that believeth shall not make haste. Amen. I've had people approach me on this, that, and the other. Will you do this? If I do this, I'll do this for you. And I just have this attitude, you know, I love you, but I'm not for sale. You cannot buy Pastor Mark Thomas. You cannot buy my influence. I am not going to sell your product. I'm just not going to do it. Even though you told me you would give 20% of what is sold to the church. I don't believe it. And not only if you did, I wouldn't do it. Ain't no fool here. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> but you probably were not. But this applies to every area of our lives. But making hasty, impatient decisions will only lead to financial loss. 
This goes for when you're in the marketplace looking for an automobile. How many of you know that some automobiles can be lemons? Any ever, anyone ever had a lemon? Well, it was brand new. But you don't know what was going on on the line that day when they made that car. So making a hasty decision in purchases, even clothing. Making a hasty uh, decision in, in, in the marketplace, out there purchasing cars, or even in the stock market. You've got to be very, very, very led by the Holy Ghost. Lift your right hand and say with me, I choose to be led only by Him. Amen. Now notice with me in Proverbs 28 and verse 20. We're not going to get to the whole message today, but aren't you glad we've always got more time at a later time? In Proverbs 28 and verse 20, it says, A faithful man shall be cursed. No, that's not what happens to a faithful man. A faithful man shall abound with what? But, now notice this, he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. So what are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying don't move too quick. Discern peace. Let's look at this from the life of Jesus in closing this morning before we have communion. Let's look at John chapter 11. How many of you remember a feller by the name of Lazarus? Lazarus was very sick, was he not? And Lazarus died. Now, in beginning in verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Here's Mary and Martha again, verse 2. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was very sick. Next verse. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who loves is sick. Verse, next verse. Therefore the sisters went to him again, said, he is sick. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for what? Jesus must have had some inside information. Where did he get this information that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God? He must have got that from above. He must have got that from his heavenly father. And so he established it right there. This sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. Well, somebody said, I thought that Lazarus died. He did. But he didn't stay dead. The glory of God came upon Lazarus and raised him from the dead. And that's what Jesus was referring to. He said, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be what? A lot of people think that God gets glory through their sickness and disease. Oh, God be glorified. I'm just giving 
God the glory with this body that is just filled with sickness and disease. I don't mean to be a wise guy. I don't mean to kill sacred cows. I just heard kind of a moo. Because this is what we get taught. That God is getting glory out of this disease. No, God gets glory when people get healed. Now, don't minimize what I'm saying. In the midst of the test, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, you can be giving God the glory. But you're not giving him the glory for the disease. You're giving him the glory that you're coming to the other side. You're giving him the glory in the valley of the shadow of death that the Spirit of God is working in you and you're going to make it through to the other side. Amen. And that opens up a whole, whole wide arena and wide area of, well, how come then? Aunt Mary in the valley of the shadow of death didn't get through and didn't make it through. I don't know. But I do know one thing, that God is good all the time. God is good. Come on, somebody. God is good in life and God is good in death. And we're not to shake and point our little bony fingers at people that don't make it through. We're supposed to be right there with them, helping them, lifting them, praying for them, surrounding the family with our faith and love. Do you understand what I'm saying? But from a technical point of view, scripturally, God gets the glory when people get healed. Hallelujah. You know, that woman that was bowed over for, I think it was 38 years or 18 years, the Bible says she could no wise lift up herself. She couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Whew, hallelujah. He didn't say, Woman, you are loosed from your blessing. He said, You are loosed from your infirmity. And the scripture says that immediately she was made straight and he, she glorified God. Hallelujah. This is for somebody today. Now notice this with me. Back to Lazarus. He said in verse 4, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he got on the bus right away. He got a ticket to the train. I think this is almost funny. When he heard that he was sick, well, he just stayed there two more days in the place where he was at. What is this saying? Even though Jesus greatly loved Mary and Martha, and even though he greatly loved Lazarus, understand this, he was not pressured. He was not going to allow the pressure to press him to move too quickly. How many of you know there was a timing involved here for Lazarus to be raised up? Jesus evidently knew that. So he stayed there a couple more days. Now notice this. In verse 7 then. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go now. 
Let's go. Listen very carefully. I believe this one of the biggest keys to experiencing His glory in your life is not being pressured by people and time. Not being in too big of a hurry. Not being pressured by people and time. Here's the thing. Many folks move too quickly because they feel pressured by the clock. You may be standing at a crossroad right now where a decision needs to be made. The wisdom of God is right there. But oftentimes, you will hear wisdom say, wait, wait, not now, wait. How many of you have ever heard this term? It's out there in the world, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Sometimes you'll get something, a video or a text or something, and it'll take time for it to load. And they'll say in a note, wait for it. Wait for it. (laughs) Well, you know, spiritually, we need to wait for it. Well, wait for what? Number one, we need to wait for a word. Number two, we need to wait for a witness. And number three, we need to wait for the wisdom of God. Somebody says, oh, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. We don't need a sign. We need a word. When it comes to be led by the Spirit of God, you do not need a so-called prophet prophesying over you, telling you what you should be doing. There's people's lives that have been destroyed because so-and-so prophet and prophetess gave them a word. Years ago, a man came up to a friend of mine and said, Oh, I'm, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I just went to this meeting and they prophesied over me that I should go to Africa. He says, well, what do you have in your heart? You ever had in your heart to go to Africa? He said, no, never. He said, just forget it. Forget it. Because you see, words that come from so-called prophets and prophetesses, if it doesn't line up with the word you already have in your spirit, if it doesn't confirm what you know through wisdom and through the witness, just love on them, smile, twiddle your thumbs and say, see you later. I'm going with God. How many of you want to go with God? We don't want to be in a hurry. Say it with me, I'm waiting for a word. I'm waiting for a witness. And I'm waiting for the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. I plan on experiencing His glory. How about you? In every area of my life. Praise the Lord. Well, I trust you got something out of it today. It's a good little appetizer. Amen. It's a good word. Hallelujah.